I am Meg McKean, and this is Bound and Determined. I hold the space to share the stories of women working in and for the insurance industry. It's here that we learn, we grow, we connect, and we celebrate. Because though we are women in insurance, we are so much more. I am so glad that you're here. Are you on the list? Before we get started, a reminder, you want to be on the list to stay up to date with all things adjunct advisors, including new podcast episodes and new offerings. Head on over to adjunctadvisors.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. If not now, then when Sharon Carter asks and answers the age old question in this episode of Bound and Determined. Hear more about her experience as a professional woman of color carving her own path in the insurance industry, honoring her capabilities, owning what makes her great, and the ever-important reminder that there's enough to go around. Off we go. Sharon, I'm so glad to have you with me here today on the podcast. I know you have had quite a week. This is our second attempt at getting uh, this episode recorded because life has happened. And I'm sitting here in snowy and cold Chicago, and I know you're dealing with some weather yourself. What's been going on this week? Yes, New York has had, in my area, about 16 inches of snow. Um, So, and, and, you know, personally, I, I, snow's nice when it first falls and the after effect is not my favorite. Um, had a little weekend, a leak in my basement from the excessive snow, so that's kind of threw me off. Of but you know what? You, you just keep going. That's what you got to do. So, <laughs> right? There's a lesson there. There's always a lesson. Sometimes we get tired of learning them, but there's always a lesson. Yeah. It seems. So glad to have you here and be in this conversation with you and just continue as I see the the path that you're carving for yourself in the insurance industry and beyond. Just to be inspired by you and encouraged by you along the way and and really excited to bring that conversation to our listeners today. So thank you. Thank you for being here despite all of the the noise in the world. Thank you for the opportunity. I do appreciate it, Meg. So I know that insurance is not your first career. I would love for you to to fill us in. How did you how did you get here? How did we get here? That, that's a good question because as I tell people all the time, no one wakes up and says, "You know what? I want I want to sell insurance." That that just doesn't. I've never heard it. I know you probably haven't. Insurance is. Uh, I reinvented myself um, six years ago. Um, my background, my official background, is in the corporate America space. I went to Long Island University here in New York for undergrad in political science, and then I uh, obtained my MBA in finance and. I had some, you know, I was thinking of doing law and um, that just didn't happen for me. Um, so I ended up going into accounting and finance. And I spent over 15 years in that industry, worked at different companies um, from, you know, Lifetime Television TV Guide, Payne Weber. Um, the last eight years of my financial career, I was in a sector called government pricing. So for those who probably not have never heard of that or don't know what it is, is where I was, I had a senior role where I was one of the head pricers, um, for example, for a company for Xerox, and we priced contracts so that they can win them from the federal or state government. 
those role, that role was very stressful because something called an RFP, request for proposal, would drop. It could drop at any time. And then it could be due at any time. And the deliverables, from the time it drops to the point of delivering the finished product to the, to the government, you know, that's a whole process that can involve consistent work effort between myself and, and various team members back and forth with changes and revisions. And, you know, many nights working late and just to get this, this product out that you can possibly win and also possibly lose. And, you know, the, the thing about what happened six years ago is I, you know, throughout my corporate career, I, I, I was laid off. I, I believe it was six different times. Um, you know, one company uh, sent my job overseas. Uh, one company bought another company and they eliminated my department. One situation, and this company uh, got a new CFO, uh, excuse me, CEO, and brought in their own team, so they got rid of my department. So it was, it's always some kind of um, song and dance that happens in regards to, to my corporate career. And, you know, six years ago, I... You know, that, that last layoff that happened, I, I was really tired. Like, I, I was just tired. I was tired of putting in work and doing what everything I was supposed to do and not seeing the results. So I made a decision when I couldn't find a job that I was going to create my own path. I didn't know how I was going to do it or what vehicle I was going to, to do that, but I just knew that I was going to make a change because I was really frustrated, tired. I was at the point where I had enough is enough. And so uh, opportunity came my way through a company called U.S. Health Advisors. And I started my insurance uh, tenure there. I ended up being there for almost four years. Um, and from the time that I walked in the doors to the time that I left U.S. Health, um, a lot transpired. You know, I didn't know a thing about healthcare. I didn't know a thing about insurance. But I buckled down and I learned. I, I took those same skills that I had from, you know, working in corporate America, the same skills of following up, the same skills of, you know, continuous learning, the same skills of building a network and built a business. I, I wrote, I believe, over a million dollars in business in like a year. You know, I was a top producer two years in a row. I won multiple awards. And, you know, just some things that happened as a result that really shocked me and of what I'm capable of doing. You know, I'm proud of myself. It's one of the, the best lessons I've learned about myself so far in life. And um, just, just grateful for the experience. I'm grateful you're here sharing it. I think it's really important that we talk about those career pivots and transitions can happen for so many reasons, but it sounds like yours was really, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll ask you to expound a little bit, but an emotional choice that you you were tired of the journey that you had been on. And so you made a very thoughtful change. And I love that you literally jumped in to the deep end with no, no knowledge, no background, but really started over. There's a, a really strong lesson there. Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that chapter? What what were some of the things that you were thinking, you were feeling? Um, what sort of resource, guidance, that sort of thing did you look for as you made that decision? Well, the, the pivotal thing about that moment for me, that now that I'm thinking back to it, is, you know, I was approaching 40 that year. And, you know, I remember saying to myself, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? You know, I had just moved into a new apartment a couple months prior. Yeah, I moved into my apartment, I believe, in May. Lost my job in July. I was turning 40 in September. 
so so many different uh, emotions were going on um, at that time. You know, my mom even she called me to tell me, uh, you know, she had a cancer diagnosis that I didn't see coming. Uh-huh. So it was a lot of stuff going on within a couple months, Meg. At, at that time, you know, I really just said because I, I have a strong faith, a, a strong faith in God and in myself, and, and I just really buckled down. I, I said. I know God's with me. I know I can do this. And I use the resources of, you know, I read a lot. You know, I've been reading for years different books and I pulled out books that I've been reading for years and started rereading them. You know, even when it came to learning health insurance, learning insurance overall, I, I really dug down into the Affordable Care Act. I didn't know a thing about it, but I'm like, I got to learn this thing, you know, and, and just I studied for my exam. I chunked out hours of, of the day. I was like two, three hours a day. I studied for the insurance license. And, you know, I started with the, because I was living in Virginia at the time, I started with the Virginia state. And then from there, I branched off and got other states. So it, it was really just tapping into what the strength that I knew that I had. You know, I was raised by very strong women. Um, my grandmother, my aunts, my mom, and, you know, they've always been an inspiration to me. And, you know, I just remembered where I came from it and really dived into that. That makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And, and I think the irony of that is you, you are that strong woman, right? And, and I'll be bold and say, we represent a generation of women coming through the industry that are hopefully changing the experience for other young women who will join us along the way. And I think that's really cool. And I'm, I'm really proud. And I know you are too, to be part of it. One of the things I've been really excited to be doing literally in the moment is mentoring a young woman who is building a business as part of an entrepreneurship mm-hmm. program uh, for young women. And mm-hmm. I'm with her literally over Zoom for an hour at a time as she builds her business plan. And it's been so well inspiring fundamentally to see the gumption and the guts and the courage that she has to say mm-hmm. what she wants to accomplish and then put words behind it. It's so powerful. But I'd love yeah. to talk more with you about mentorship. You mentioned the strong women in your family, but talk to me about your wider circle. Talk to me about what mentorship looks like. I'd love then to talk about what about a woman who needs and is craving mentorship? What can we do to support Mm -hmm. her um, these days? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mentorship is vital, Meg. Um, I officially started in mentoring teens years ago with an organization called uh, Dreams Into Action um, here in New York. And it was really based on the premise of exposing kids, teenagers who live in the inner cities to things that they're normally not used to. So the organization, you know, we would take them to Broadway shows. We would take them out to dinner, certain restaurants, you know, we would take them to the movies, you know, and, and it was a great way to pour into um, other kids who weren't exposed to certain things. You know, that, I guess that was the first place that I really saw the power of mentorship. Um, and it's always stayed with me. But mentorship is important. And one of the things that even as I think about my my time in the corporate space, you know, if I really had a strong mentor, I, I know I would have had a different result. The thing, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants. My parents are from island of Barbados. So, you know, growing up, I was born here. My sister was born here. We were the first generation removed removed from the island. And growing up in a, in a, 
immigrant household you have you know that not, I don't say complex but you have that two worlds you know you're you're american you're a native you're american native in this country learning the american culture however you still have the culture of where your family's from so to to say that is is you know my mom worked in corporate america she you know she came to this country she had to learn the you know the corporate culture here and i saw some of the struggles that she went through you know, in the corporate sector. And as I entered it myself and, you know, some of the, some of the things were, there was similar, I guess, but not, not a hundred percent, but just a little bit. But one of the things I realized even in, in both of our experiences is that we lack the mentorship in that space, especially the mentorship from say a woman or a black woman, you know, and how to conduct yourself in that space. Because one of the things I've learned too, Meg, is you're not just going on a job. You're entering a space that has a set of rules, a set of regulations, a set of things. Are, there's a corporate culture that you got to understand and know how to play that game. And if you don't, you're starting at a disadvantage. So that's where a mentor would make a huge difference. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, if if I had you know, a, a female mentor or a black female mentor, when I entered the corporate space, I, I would have had a total different, I really believe I would have a total different experience. One of the things that I did when I was going through my corporate burn, burnout, I would say, you know, I was working at a company in Florida and it was a 50-year-old company. They were a government contractor. They, um, I worked in the corporate, in that corporate office. And actually, it was doing very well. And they ended up hiring, they had to hire minorities because they were winning so much work from the government. So they had a quota that they had to fill. So that was actually the first year they had minorities in the home office. So it was myself and quite a few other Black women they hired. They hired some Hispanic. Um, And throughout my four years there, Meg, I had such, that was one of the worst work experiences that I would never forget. Just from the experiences of, you know, I, I used to wear my hair in braids. You know, I was in the, in the, I was having a meeting about one of the projects we were working on. And I remember sitting in the conference room, you know, the TV was on this, on the wall. And, you know, it was myself, there was one other black lady who was questioning me, who was my coworker. Everybody else in the room was a white male. And the gentleman on my left, I would never forget. I, we were talking about the project and all of a sudden he said, what are those dreadlocks? out of nowhere. And I was like a deer in headlights. And I, I, I didn't know what to say. And the, the lady who was across from me, the other black lady, she saw my facial expression and she actually like kicked my leg under the table, like snap out of it and wake up. And then I, my response was, no, they're not dreadlocks. They're brave, but can we get back to what we were talking about? And, you know, experiences like that, I was accused of stealing someone's wallet. I mean, there was my coworker, she was, they called her a strong black woman on her review. They didn't want to give her the promotion because they said she was too, too much of a strong black woman. So there was different things that I experienced during this time um, that really made me say, you know what, I am just tired of this environment. So at that time, I created a program called Girls for Greatness, where I mentored um, teen girls and young women. It was a way for me to escape. And, and save myself and give back at the same time. And um, it was it was a great experience. I 
you know, help run some summer camps for girls. I, you know, coach girls individually. I work with their parents. Um, I also, um, you know, I was one of the contributing authors for a book, um, Pearls for Wisdom by Girls. Um, so it's still on Amazon to this day. So I, I had a lot of great experiences during that time, but it showed me too that um, it's so important to give back. And I think that's what we as a humanity have forgotten, especially in these last few years. We've forgotten how important it is. Turn around and give back. You don't have to expect anything in return, but just, just generally help someone. And I think we've, we've stemmed away from that and we need to return to it. I mean, and I think that's what, what really helps me even servicing my clients. You know, you, you really have to generally want to help people, you know, and I was talking to someone and we were talking about being in sales and, you know, sales is that you, you got to take money off the table. You really have to come from a place of of serving and, and helping and being in creating genuine and authentic relationships. Then from that, you'll see what happens. You know, the magic happens then. Yeah. I just want to first and foremost, acknowledge your experience and thank you for sharing your story. It's not mine. Right. And it's one of the things about the insurance industry. And I wish that you were able to say that when you left your prior toxic corporate culture and came to the insurance industry, that it was a different experience, but I just know that that's not true and that there's so much work to be done in our industry. And it's a really important reminder about the time that we're in as we make plans for the future. It's not enough to just say we have a problem. Mm -hmm. We've got to put action behind it, intentional action. And when you talk about mentorship, what a great way I hope someone sitting in the right chair to make these decisions is listening. What a great way to start to see that cultural shift within these massive institutions who have been, you know, very comfortable and very safe for hundreds of years Mm -hmm. in lots of cases. So what bums me out though, I'll be completely honest because this is something that I've experienced as a woman in the industry is Mm -hmm. I had to leave and rewrite Mm -hmm. my role in order to find that alignment, I couldn't find it within an organization that already existed. And I know the work you're doing now is, is very similar in that you are working with the clients that you choose to solve a need that you see. Yes, you're using insurance products to do that, but you're very much carving your own path. And it's exciting, it's empowering, but it's not for everyone, which means there's a lot of people still working in those traditional corporate roles who are feeling that misalignment and that disconnect. So it's mm-hmm. like bright spots and then clouds and bright spots and clouds. And perhaps we'll always be that way, but I'm just inspired by you and appreciate you sharing your story so candidly. Thank you, Meg. I do appreciate that. You know, and I, and I was, you know, pre- preparing for this talk and I was reflecting on you know, I, you know, my journey of making the jump and all that. And I think, honestly, if, if I was married and had kids, I don't know if I <laughs> have that much courage. Um, but just, you know, being single and, and, you know, I said, I have to maximize this time now. I have to do what makes me happy while I'm still saying, you know, while I'm, while I'm single, you know, it's everybody, you know, I've spoken to so many different people who have different work experiences um, on their respective jobs. And, you know, some of the things are just so disheartening. It's, you know, it's, I'm like, there's got to be another way to, to create 
the life that you want without going out, going through so much stress and agony. It's like you shouldn't have to pump yourself up every day to go to do your job. You know what I mean? And I used to do that. You know, I, I used to, on Sunday, I had to crank myself up <laughs> Monday morning just to get the, the courage to go into that toxic workspace. You know, I used to pump gospel music in my car Monday morning just to get me in a, in a really good mood. But, you know, I, it's, it's to the point, you know, after a while, as you start to age and, you know, in your family, in your circle, you know, the health change or different, you know, their bodies are compromised and immune systems are compromised, you know, it affects you, you know, and I made a decision. I'm grateful I made that decision. Um, you know, this, this insurance business is, is a rough business. It's not easy. Um, any kind of entrepreneurial walk isn't easy. However, I'm, I'm in it. Uh, I, there's no going back to a toxic work environment. I just, life's too short. And I, and I, I'm just, I, I can't do that anymore. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> you mentioned, and I want to recognize, I similarly, not married, no kids, allows uh-huh. a whole lot more flexibility and freedom to take these chances. Yeah. And I, I don't want to diminish yeah. the responsibilities and and also the joy, right, of, of those that we know that have, you know, family that keep them grounded and in one place. But there's a whole lot more that we can do within those cultures to make change if we commit yeah. and want to, right? Yeah, I, I just think it's time to to stop being complacent and start really paying attention. Be, I mean, there's a, still in our industry, there's a fight for great talent, even in, you know, an uncertain economic time, even in a pandemic. It is, yeah. it is most definitely an employee's market. So the good people aren't going to stick around if we don't learn how to care for them and care about them. So- Interesting time for both of us, I think, to be here. So, um, you know, I'm I'm an insurance agent as well. I am completely focused on the things that you're not, which I love. Um, my <laughs> clients <laughs> work with me on the business insurance end of things. And what's been interesting is I've shifted my own focus in my business, focusing more on consulting and service providing. I've drawn in this great collection, mostly of women, frankly, who are also building their own consulting businesses and need business insurance. And we all sort of bumble around in this greater community of entrepreneurial women who have this great wealth of knowledge that we bring with us, but who are carving Mm -hmm. their own path. So the alignment for me is so strong and so clear in the insurance clients I serve. I want to hear about yours? Do you have a similar experience? Or if you had to kind of categorize who are the kind of people that you're working with, who seems to be drawn to Sharon's energy? I'd love to know more. Good question. Good question. I've noticed these last six years that definitely I I attract a lot of women. I am all about the girl power (laughs) um, and doing whatever I can to help my fellow women, uh, my fellow sisters. That's something that's at the heart of who I am. I've received a lot of help from women throughout my time of building my business. Um, and also too, I've, I've realized lately that I've been attracting a lot of the hardworking, um, you know, African-American families, people who are doing whatever they can to make things better for the generation coming behind them, you know, Recently, I just helped a lady in South Carolina all through the phone and Zoom. I helped her get, you know, mortgage protection because she said, Sharon, I want to make sure that, you know, if something happens to me, my house stays in my family with my kids. Um, And, you know, that's 
that was a huge thing when she said that to me. You know, I I know what it is to to work hard and, you know, put food on the table. I've seen my parents do it, you know, and do their best to buy a home or, you know, do things to, to make things better. And I and I took a pleasure in really helping her. You know, um, I, I recently helped a family too. Again, here this family's in New York. They're a young family with a, a, a little boy. Help them get life insurance, get protected. Um, if something, especially with this COVID environment that we're living in, you know, a lot of people, especially in the in the brown and minority community, they don't understand the power of the power of life insurance. They don't understand what it can do for them over time if they choose the right investment vehicle. But there's so much more to um, life insurance that, you know, I like to educate people on. Lately, I'd say, you know, women definitely, um, the a lot of African-American, brown community, you know, minority families, those, those are who I've been helping and enjoy helping. Hmm. I think about the story you just shared about having to crank the music before you could muster the courage to go into the office. And and I have my own version of that story. And literally yesterday was on a call with another woman who walks to the office, but takes the long way because she has a similar okay. experience. And it is such a thing. And I think when you can find those people and they find you and they really, mm-hmm. truly value you for not just what you know, but the way that you show up in the world and the way you make them feel. Oh, yes. it's just magic. Yes. And it's worth, it's worth the fight, right? Because it's a fight. We're battling against all sorts of opinions. Most of them are not good about what we do and the ethics behind it. And to finally find someone who's willing to give you an open mind and an open heart so that you can help them, which is ultimately the yeah. goal, um, really powerful. All right. So mm-hmm. let's break it down. I am not a life insurance person and I am not a mortgage protection insurance person. And willing to gamble that the majority of people listening right now are not either. So I want to use the context of the story you shared about the young family or the family who had a young son and you helped them Mm -hmm. with some life insurance. So without getting like super jargony and in the weeds, can you talk about the conversation that you had with them hypothetically, of course, how did that conversation go and, and what was sort of the light bulb that went off for them in terms of, okay. wow, this is something that we really need to consider? Um, well, both of, you know, not getting too personal, they both work. The, the, they're, they're engaged actually right now. They're getting married. And, you know, the male in the, in the household, he earns way more than the female. Um, and they've always just been in the mindset of, you know, doing what you have to do to, to make ends meet. But, you know, they were connected to me through one of my clients. It was a referral. And they wanted to get life insurance, um, especially because of what's going on now with COVID. And, you know, they both, you know, they have a young son and God forbid if something happened to either one of them, they want to be able to at least to continue to maintain the life that they've already um, are accustomed to. So that was the motivating factor for them of getting life insurance. Now, when it comes to the understanding of what is available, that was, you know, that wasn't the strongest. However, that's where I came in and they trusted me in my knowledge to break down what is available and what would be the best vehicle for them. Showing them the illustration, you know, through Zoom, breaking it down, showing it year by year of what um, that return can do financially for them. 
that really made the lights go off for both of them. So all of that was, was helped them to make the decision to say, yes, this is it. And, you know, I, I was glad I was able to help them. And now I'm also working with them because they did have something in place for their son already through another company. But based off what, you know, what they shared with me doesn't sound like it's the smartest product for them. So I'm going to do a policy review and, and just really do an analysis to see if what they have for him works. And if not, give them the best solution for him. It's not about me pushing a policy on people. It's about me helping people get what they want. That That's it. Yeah. I love that you're yeah. listening for longer term plans, for goals, for, and I'm sure just even the dynamic between the couple, right? The, the yeah. energy and the confidence between the two of them, I think is also really, really interesting to listen to. And I get that very typical, stereotypical impression of life insurance agents is they're just trying to sell a policy. Well, I hate to break it to everyone, but every insurance policy earns the person who sells it to you a commission. That's how we get paid, right? Like that's not, that is not unique to life insurance. So anybody that tells you they're just in it, you know, for the love of the game, well, at the end of the day, they've got to sell something in order to get paid. (laughs) And so um, I think the way we go about that and the authenticity and and the listening rather than the telling that we do is yeah. so is so key. And I, I love that you bring that to your clients. Looking back, so you've got six years under your belt. I believe it takes two to three to really hit your stride. So you're past that point. But if there was maybe a young woman listening who was thinking about a sales career, what are some of the things you'd ask her to think about? Um Think about where you really want to be, you know, 10 years from now. Think about, you know, where you are in your career. Like, what is your your role right now? Does it really, really satisfy you? Does it really, are you really excited about it? Do you really love it? Can you see yourself doing that 20 years from now? That That's the, the thing that I really came to grips with six years ago. I said to myself, can I really see myself doing this same exact role 20 years from now? And it was a big no for me. <laughs> I was like, there is no way I'm going to be 60 doing this. So, you know, in, in order to make progress in life, Meg, I think for me, one of the biggest things is you have to develop the habit of being honest with yourself. And if if you can't be honest with yourself. You cannot be honest with other people. That is huge. Mm. So take the time. It's not always easy, but take the time to self-reflect. Take the time to journal. Take the time to really ask yourself the hard questions. Because when you ask yourself the hard questions, you're making it easier for you, you know, to really create the life that you want. If not, you're going to be frustrated. So I mean, that's some of the advice I definitely give to younger women. I'd also say, too, surround yourself with powerful women. Surround yourself with women who are doing better than you. That's what I've done. I did that all throughout my time at U.S. Health. I surrounded myself with women who were doing way better than me, and they inspired me, and they still do. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's huge. And, and, and a lot of times, too, they want to help you. They want, they see you doing your thing, and they want to help. Talk to them about what made them take a leap of faith? How did they get to where they are? I'm I'm big at really, you know, asking questions and listening to people because I love hearing people's stories about 
what, you know, what their journey was like to get them to where they are, because you learn from that, you know. So surround yourself with, with powerful women. Surround yourself with, with women who are movers and shakers, as I say, you know. Um, those are some, some powerful things that can help really change the trajectory of, of a female's life. Oh, I love it. Mm, I can't believe we've never met in person. And I just, I can't wait to give you a big old hug when the time is right. It's, it's, I just, you're so wise. And I'm just so with you on this journey. Like I just, I, everything you say, it's like, yes, whether it's something that, that I'm thinking about from 20 years ago when I was just getting started, but I just think there's, we need to remember as women, we can be so hard on ourselves and we can be so, gosh, um, we have to remember the journey and we have to remember that there's somebody right behind us who is watching us and who is looking for us to inspire and support. And we have to keep looking over our shoulders to make sure that we remember to bring those women along. And there is enough to go around. There's this pressure as women, especially in sales and especially knowing that so many of our counterparts are not women the competitiveness of what we do can eat people alive. And it is so discouraging for so many women. We often give up. And I just, we have to remember that there's enough to go around and there's more than one way to get, to get where we want to go. And you're, you're reminding me of that today and and every day. And I'm so grateful for that. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm reminding myself now, if you're talking too. And, you know, as you were speaking, I was listening and it just reminded me, you know, we can make it as ourselves in this industry, we can bring our authentic selves and make it. That's, that's one of the things too, I, I think that attracted me to sales is, is the ability to create my own, my own path, the ability to really create my own schedule, right? You know, the, the flexible income, but also too, is that I can be my full self in, in this industry. I can be myself and attract the clients that are for me. You know what I mean? where I felt in corporate, I couldn't be myself fully. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a reminder for anyone listening who's in an environment, in a culture that isn't, oh, (laughs) that's not right. Right. And I think our instinct tells us when it's not right. We know we, we have fantastic intuition and I wish we listened to it more often and trusted it, but I love your story, my story. So many of the women that have been, and will be on the podcast because we're showing and proving in our actions that there is another way and you don't, you don't have to sacrifice who you are and what makes you great in order to get where you want to go. And, um, I'm so grateful that you joined me today and yes, I'm so looking forward to keeping in touch and I'm hoping to meet you in person. This has been bound and determined. And I am the host and producer of the show, Meg McKean. I am also the founder of Adjunct Advisors, and you are amazing. You can catch up on past episodes and learn about ways that you can support the show at adjunctadvisors.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.